So when I jumped in, I realized very quickly, because I asked people, you know, I've been in finance for 30 years. How can I add value to the space industry? And it came very immediately. And many people said, hey, we need capital. We need business sense. Not that the, the incredible management that are involved in space can't do, you know, they're not good business people now, but they can always use help. And one of the first things I saw was a gap in funding. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I thought would be is some of the VCs out there, and there is some traditional big VCs investing in space, but a lot of them aren't. So what I try to do is find space companies that overlap with traditional VCs mandate, like computing, like data and analytics in space. It's easier for them to get their head around those type of businesses because they already know half of it. This is Jason Cadigan, the founder of Cold Star Tech, a data processing and a process improvement firm. And I am here with Brand. Arsenault. He is a partner at 9.8 Capital, board member at Space Ventures, and a mentor on Space Stream, which is uh, connected to something we've looked at before with another guest. So I thought that was a pretty cool connection. And this continues our season three look at investors who fund space companies. Thanks for being here. Oh, delighted. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, Bram, Let's jump right into it. Uh, I am curious about what your opinion is on the state of raising capital for space startups right now. Yeah, well, it's an interesting time. Um, you know, we're in a late cycle economy um, and with the, the, the further uh, challenge of, of COVID and, and shutting down a lot, uh, it, it's really challenging. And, and so we have a lot of macroeconomic um, uh, pressures on raising capital, but we also have some structural challenges within the space industry as the space industry is nascent itself, or, or at least the privatized part of it, the, the capital formation typically follows the industry. So it's not surprising that we're having a lot of challenges um, as, as the capital forms. So, All right. How, how does capital typically form in a new industry like space where commercialization is, is a pretty new thing? Well, t- t- but in space, the way it's happened um, is a little unique. Um, typically, capital forms from the bottom up, and and you know, investors uh, in new emerging markets are looking for value creation within uh, an emerging market, and they look for exiting and liquidity. Uh, in the space industry, which is um, unique in its in its own right, because it's cap, it's fairly even more so than other capital intensive industry. It's extremely capital intensive. And the first wave of capital formation came in top down instead of bottom up. Uh, Two waves, actually. The two waves was uh, in the 50s and 60s, the the government agencies were forming capital and pushing it down uh, through contracts and awards and grants. And the second phase, thankfully, came in. Billionaires that had a passion for space uh, came in and pushed capital down. Uh, What's interesting about that is when capital is pushed down from the top down, they go go to relatively uh, investable maybe a little more conservative type of um, investments. Um, so what, what I see is there's a little, there's lacking capital on the bottom up where you'll see a little more of the innovation and uh, kind of wild ideas. Um, so it's, it's quite unique. Okay. And, and so let's dig into that a little more from your perspective. How is the space industry different from other industries? Well, in, in terms of um, financing it, you know, a lot of the, the, the traditional sources of capital like VC and angels are used to certain hurdles that they look for 
and when they invest in a company. And that's, you know, uh, a series A within fintech, which is I, I spent 30 years in fintech, is post revenue. Um, and series B is typically a break even. Um, and within space, you need five to 10 million pre-seed seed. Uh, so there's a disconnect between the, the, the um, VCs that exist now or the incumbent VCs that have their investment uh, theses and, and methods that don't match up with the space industry. Um, so they're reluctant to, to allocate capital to space. And then the, the new VCs that are coming in that are specific to space and understand um, the space industry and how long it takes to get to revenue and, and, and all of that, they really don't have the money yet. They haven't raised the capital from their investors. So we have this disconnect and it's really interesting. Um, I do think, you know, once the capital forms, we'll probably have a fairly traditional capital market where there'll be all kinds of sources of capital, but it will take time. Okay. I'm going to hop out from inspector speak for a moment or investor speak for a moment to talk directly to our audience. And so the problem that uh, Brant is talking about here is one that I've heard from other space sector specific uh, venture capitalists, which is in, 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 in simple terms, gee, I wish we had the money <laughs> to fully fund these projects. Uh, and so you've, you've, you've touched on this uh, problem or, or challenge in the capital supply chain of money, right? Where uh, a, a sector specific space knowledgeable investor can begin an investment in a space company, but to get to uh, market maturity, get, really get somewhere, they need to pull in more money in larger amounts from outside. It, does that sound right? That's correct, that's correct. Okay, so what are some of the challenges of being able to reach out there uh, beyond, well, they just don't understand the industry as well and they're looking for, uh, you know, Reed Hoffman 100X time rate of return? <laughs> Well, one of the problems is, and, and, and it's not an, an you, I wouldn't even call it a problem. This is, this is challenges that a emerging market will always have. Um, as new companies enter into a new market, there's going to be a lack of liquidity. There's going to be a lack of exits that um, investors see. So this is not a problem specific to space. This is a problem specific to emerging markets. And as we see liquidity, and we, we do have some structural problems in the broader market in terms of uh, liquidity methods. So IPOs have been decreasing because you know small cap companies are being less listed in indices. So there's not a lot of uh, liquidity or value creation being seen for those small caps. Um, so there's a little reluctance for companies to go IPO. Um, but th that's starting to change. They said, you know, the late cycle economy is turning into an early cycle I, I think an early cycle bear market, um, that's the optimist in me, um, which we'll see probably some more exiting opportunities. Uh, there is a lot of conversation in the broader market, even outside of space, for a secondary private market. So uh, a, a secondary market that you could sell your private investment to. Um, th that exists in the private equity world where private equity will sell a portfolio company to another private equity after they've done what they needed to do and get the, the return on investment that we're looking for. The V 
VCs, I think, are looking for, to create that market, a B2B market that VCs could sell private portfolios to other VCs once it kind of went past their hurdles. And even in the public market, um, if you look at crowdfunding and other methods, of raising capital from the public in private uh, uh, in private companies, there's people looking at creating a secondary market for private companies to trade the stocks after um, after a certain holding period. So there, I, I think there's two things. There there is some structural issues with um, with liquidity that are broader to the broader market, but they're also because this is a nascent young industry with the lack of exits, the lack of liquidity. The institutional investors are a little hesitant to come in until they see that. Right. And boy, uh, this brings to mind a, a couple of other conversations I've had where you, you want to allow um, some speculation, but you don't want to go crazy with it, right? Uh, yeah. I remember talking to Dennis Wingo and he brought up the idea of a space futures market where uh, if they would allow it, people could trade on what we might find out there in, uh, in near Earth orbit in asteroids and bring back and you know, we don't even have a good idea, really, of what's out there yet, for example. And so the idea of, you know, trading space company uh, futures may not be that crazy, but we don't have a lot of data. Uh, yeah, yeah. Here yet, I think is, That's is, correct. is the fact of the matter. So what do you believe needs to happen before confidence in that kind of idea can uh, can increase? Well, I think there's going to be a couple of phases of this space industry. I think a lot of the companies that are involved at the moment are building what we may, might call 1.0 or 2.0 space, where there's a lot of infrastructure being put up into space that will then kind of create a its own industry in space. And I think if you think about the event horizon of com companies right now, call it 1.0, it's quite long. I mean, the, the, the exit of a, the, a company to create value and revenue and, and um, um, net earnings is going to take from seven to 12 years, maybe 15 years. And that doesn't match up with your typical limited partner in a VC. Um, so there's going to have to be some special cases uh, in this 1.0 to raise capital. It's going to be very much a, a hustle game. You're going to have to get out and hustle and find the right partner. And, and there's going to be a lot of strategic investments. I think I'll give you one example. Um, the satellite servicing company is uh, the satellite servicing subsector is really interesting. And a strategic partner in that space is reinsurance, potentially reinsurance. Reinsurance, uh, Swiss Re, AXA, um, Genry are really interested in writing insurance policies in space, but they don't have enough data. So a strategic relationship with a servicing company, satellite servicing company may, makes sense. So I think I think in the short term, there's going to be a lot of hustle in, in terms of raising capital. Um, I think the second phase, when when there's a infrastructure in space, and maybe uh, data centers in space, above the cloud computing, there's satellite servicing, there's a whole economy happening up there. I think the second phase is the, the uh, event horizon on those companies will be shorter and probably will be fit more into the time horizon of traditional capital providers. Okay. So we kind of have to get the iPhones and the smartphones out there first, and then we can get the app industry running on top of it, uh, where exciting yeah, things may, can be created today and sold tomorrow. Yeah. And it may be similar to the internet. Like when we, when, you know, I was doing my, my graduate work when we started using the internet, internet in 1991, 92, 93, uh, and then 98, 99 came and we were talking about e-commerce. 
And the commercialization of those companies happened quite slowly. But now the infrastructure and internet, you, you can start up, you can have some ideas that leverage the internet uh, and get to a commercialized version of your company quite quickly. And I think something similar is going to happen in space. Hmm. Yeah, there's almost a, a virus-like infection of an idea of this is how we can do this thing to, 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 yeah. to take over. Brett, what do I you had, do? Oh, go, go ahead, ahead. sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I had another thesis. Yeah. Uh, um, what I didn't say in the beginning, I, I, I was a fintech executive for 30 years, both in mm -hmm. banks, and I started a couple of my own companies and raised capital for those companies. Uh, so I, but I did my, my PhD research to be an astronaut. I still have the rejection letter from the Canadian Space Agency to prove it. Um, so I went into finance and I've been thinking about when do I get into space? And I've seen all this action. I saw your videos. I talked to people like Chris Hadfield and I said, now is the time. I, got, I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this. Uh, at all. Um, so when I jumped in, I realized very quickly because I asked people, you know, I've been in um, finance for 30 years. How can I add value to the space industry? And it came very immediately. And many people said, hey, we need capital. We need business sense. Not that the, the incredible management that are involved in space can't do, you know, they're not good business people now, but they can always use help. And one of the first things I saw was a gap in funding. Mm -hmm. um, and what I thought would be is some of the VCs out there, and there is some traditional big VCs investing in space, but a lot of them aren't. So what I try to do is find space companies that overlap with traditional VCs mandate, like computing, like data and analytics in space. It's easier for them to get their head around those type of businesses um, because they already know half of it. It's SaaS, it's uh, data and analytics, it's AI, it's just in space. So a lot of those companies can find capital fairly, I, would, I mm -hmm. wouldn't say fairly easy, but more, more easily than others. <laughs> Let's ask Rick, <laughs> Rick Ward at Orbit's Edge what he thinks. <laughs> He's yeah, looking and, doing, you know, edge computing in space and uh, yeah, it's not that easy. I think that's, I think that's yeah. a fantastic idea. Mm -hmm. I really like it. I, I think that's another example of maybe a good idea for that type of company to look for a strategic investor. I would, I would think about going to some of the big data centers um, in uh, terrestrial data centers and say, hey, you know, would you be interested in looking into above the cloud computing? There's a lot of benefits. There's going to be a lot of processing up there. And for you to experiment with that would be very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. Maybe a strategic investment that someone that's dedicated to that use case would be more appropriate. Mm -hmm. And then you have the flow of data built in. <laughs> already, yeah, and I like what, what I like option. about what I, yeah, what I like about that and just what you said, I mean, the amount of use cases that a terrestrial um, um, data center has in their data centers is immense. If you were able to reach a talk to the product manager in one of the big data centers, you could probably come up with hundreds of use cases that fit into space that are money making. So that strategic, uh, that strategic partnership and investment would be very interesting for a company like that. Mm. Well, I will talk about Orbit's Edge anytime I can. <laughs> yeah, no, right. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. This is Jason Gannigan from Cold Star Tech, and I'm excited to share with you a new offer from Cold Star that we are bringing out to help both space founders and venture capitalists who fund space companies. And it's on two levels. The lower level is a VC who is looking at possibly funding a space company, but they just don't get it, right? And a lot of tech founders want to come out and create some sort of technical capability, but they do not understand business. And so you'll look and you'll go, where's the customer here? Where's the business model? And they'll go, huh? But I want to make rockets or something, right? 
and, and it's really cool. Well, that, as we know from the dot-com era, is not a viable business model. And so you bring us in. We've got great technical expertise on the space side, folks who have done this sort of assessment before, like our technical engineering advisor, Dr. Rick Fleeter, myself in the process engineering field, plenty of other people with brains to look at this problem so that you don't have to blow your brains out trying to figure out how to make this work. And on the company side, it's a benefit for them because we will show them the roadmap to how you're going to get funded, how, how you will want to fund them, what changes to make to get VCs excited about putting money in. And so that's good for you. Right? The second level is at a, a deeper and higher level at the same time. It is for venture capitalists who have uh, given a seed round to a company, a space company, and that has gone on for a little while, six months, a year, something like that. And it is time, as uh, COVID has made it, to double down or get out. Those are pretty much the choices, right? It's time to invest further in a thing we already know, which seems to be the direction VCs are going in right now. Uh, they don't seem to want to look at new things uh, or, or stop, just kill the project. And so the good news is, in that situation, there's a lot more going on. There's more meat for Cold Star experts to get in and, and analyze, right? You're going to have processes in place, whether they know it or not. We'll be able to flowchart those and, and maybe accurately document them for the first time so we can get some kind of value chain going in the organization. We'll be able to test whether the leadership is the right group of people or whether you're missing something, the strategic direction, the business model, all this stuff. So... If this sounds interesting to you, reach out to us. You can email me at jason at coldstartech.com or just connect with me and message me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way to do it. And uh, I am excited to talk to you. The, the kind of transformation that we're able to offer here is beyond anything you'll see out there. And as a VC, this will save you so much time and energy, right? Like if you're a VC and you've got 100 companies to look at, you've got three days a year <laughs> to, to look at each one maybe, right? That's not really good enough, is it? Wouldn't it be better to have uh, experienced, expert space, people who understand space, right? Look at this investment and tell you, here's a grade, right? Here are several grade areas. Is this thing ready to pour gasoline on the fire or is it just going to go up in smoke? This is Jason Kanig from Cold Star Tech. Let's get back to the interview. So what do you do, Brent? Has this ever happened where you've um, been approached by an investor who doesn't want an exit or whose priority is not the exit? For example, I, in my own case, I'm not super interested in that. I'm interested in creating value, creating capability, having people come to me and knowing that the project is going to be better off because I'm involved. And then I want to reinvest and uh, evolve the company into something else, right? As yeah time goes on. Is that just like a forget about it for investors or is it the, that's weird, you know, or we'll take our cut and sell that? Well, you know, after 30 years of Wall Street and banks, it's, you know, it's the, the profit first for a lot of people. That's why they're doing it. Um, you know, on the angel side, um, there's a lot of enthusiasm and passion for the, the long longevity of the company. So they're, they're, they're much more willing to um, be uh, the event horizon to be longer. But again, at the end of the day, they're investing, you know, to get a return on their investment. Um, and, and that willingness um, or flexibility on the, on the, um, investment horizon gets uh, less and less flexible as you get more institutional. But another 
And interesting at the high end, like if you, you, each segment of the capital markets have to match the expectation of their fund with the people that mm -hmm. invest their fund. So VC, you know, angels are typically um, anywhere from tip 12 to 15 years um, kind of, in, in these companies, VCs are anywhere from seven to 12, private equity are very, very quick from five to eight. But if you look at the end investor, if you look at a, um, a pension, uh, pension plan, um, Ontario's Teachers, Calibers, uh, a lot of those companies, they're actually quite um, um, uh, receptive to a long investment horizon. Um, but you know they're usually last ones into these new markets. You know, uh, a, a, um, a pension plan will want to see some exits and some performance. Right. But once they see that a mature market, um, they they tend to be in it for the long haul. Okay, Brent, at at nine point eight capital, what yes. is the horizon that you're looking at? How long does a fund live for typically? Um, well, we're trying to be a little more uh, dynamic in terms of knowing the market's nascent, knowing uh, the capital formation is, and the exiting opportunities are are a little a little more immature. So I think it's going to be evolve. Um, I think it will look for a longer um, investment horizon in the beginning, maybe 10 to 15 years. Um, but I, like I said, I, my, my uh, theory is once space 2.0 and 3.0 comes, there'll be a whole economy in space and the infrastructure up there um, will, will create acceleration on companies' ability to be commercial and make money. So I think the next phase, we, I think by 2030, you'll have um, um, uh, event horizon, or sorry, uh, investment horizons that are more in line with traditional software industries of mm. 10 years. Okay, but it's, we're going to have to slog through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know. You know? Yeah, but 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 what I tell everyone is other industries had to do this too. I mean, it is now space does have an added uh, that it is more capital intensive than the other emerging markets. Mm -hmm. um, so what I I always try to give them a big boost, saying you know this is going to be hard, but these these the the people in the market early are really going to you know if they get through the tough time they're going to benefit um, a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, what, what other capital sources are there? Let's go through some of those other than venture capital. Yeah, well, I've been, you know, and that's one of the things I started thinking about when I was trying to find my place in my new world here, which, by the way, I just love um, being doing fintech for 30 years. I kind of started becoming the expert uh, and I, you know, learning slowed down. Now that I'm in space, I'm learning every day. I'm, I'm, I don't know anything. It's, it's fantastic. Um, so speaking to you and people like Daniel Faber of uh, Orbit Fab, I mean, just fabulous just uh, learning every day. But uh, what I did learn coming in right away that there is a fundamental gap here, not just because, um, you know, we're in a late cycle uh, economy, um, these teas are retreating a little bit, they're keeping some dry powder. And there's another thing that people haven't talked a lot about is VCs themselves have been diversified a little bit and have diversified into private equity. Mm -hmm. So when they're, when the VC market seems a little risky, usually that's when you have distressed assets um, and they jump into private equity and buy stuff up, which is, you know, very good business sense. Um, so why I bring that up is sometimes there's not a lot of dry powder after the, the, the economy spruces up because they deployed it in distressed assets in the private equity space. So, um, I, I, you know, very quickly I realized there's a, a capital gap and a couple of um, 
quotes from people like Elon and, and, and Jeff Bezos about the, the, um, the need for innovation in this space. Um, and the lack of innovation, not only because there's no capital at the bottom end, uh, but a lot of it's being pushed down into very conventional uh, companies at the top, which is important as well. But what I saw was an opportunity maybe to leverage some of the new regulation around uh, the public's ability to, to invest in private companies called the Jobs Act. Um, and um, I got involved with a company called Space Ventures, which is, I believe, is going to be one of the first um, uh, crowdfunding platforms that is dedicated to space. And one of the mandates is, because I kind of looked at it, I wonder, is there any, what's the cons of doing something like this? And, you know, in the original um, regulation, people thought that, you know, raising from a crowd of people that are public, uh, public people, you know, you have a messy cap table um, and you may have some type of legal exposure. So I went through thinking a lot about that stuff. And, and one of the mandates of the company, Space Ventures, is to create a platform that coexists with other capital sources. Because in no way would we want a company to raise capital on the platform and then have difficulty on raising further capital from a VC. That's just not something we want to do. So in fact, I would love to find the VCs that find that this type of platform is a important part of the capital supply chain. It coexists with VC and it's an important part. Um, and, and if I can't do that, we shouldn't build a platform because it's really yeah. important to be a part of the, the, the ecosystem and not be against it. Right. I like it. I like it. It's like, look, we'll build this thing that will help you get the, the first amount of money you need. But if it can't hook up to future influx of funds, um, what are we doing here? Yeah, if someone said, it, 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 you know, if we knew structurally it wouldn't, I wouldn't do, I would not do it. Mm -hmm. I would not do it. Um, and another way to think about it, it it's a pre-processor for the VCs, for the institutions. I believe if a company can raise capital in a very structured way from the public, take that capital, create value, shareholder value, um, maybe getting closer to revenue, maybe getting closer to a, a launchable product. Um, that is a pre-processor for VCs. VCs can see a little more the capability of the team, the market that they're playing in, and the product that they have. Um, yeah. Right. As, as long as <laughs> those company founders are on target, you know, the... Yeah, we're working on the right well, things here. Well, one of the other things yeah. that we we did a lot of research on, you know, because there is four crowdfunding platforms that are for the general market. So if you want to start a t-shirt company or a telescope company, uh, you can go to these other platforms and they're good platforms. But what we believed is the power of the platform really hits a force multiplier when it's industry specific. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we're, a lot of us are here because we're very much enthusiastic about the space industry. Mm -hmm. So raising from a public that's enthusiastic about a certain topic is going to be very powerful. Now, the two different uh, the, the, the two differentiators about this platform is it will be curated. So we'll have a very um, um, experienced investment team that will look at the the listing companies and make sure that they're investable or to, mm -hmm. you know, that they're good companies, that there's no crazy, crazy um, listings happening. And then the other thing that we want to do, and, and I think VCs that look at crowdfunding and maybe criticize a little bit and say, hey, it's not smart money. Um, I, I think they do have a point. And I do find a lot of VC money is very smart. It's very, very valuable partnerships. Some of these VCs I've risen 
raise capital from some and they were fantastic um, is what we want to do with this platform is have a venture team. So we have an investment advisory team, but we also have a venture team after a company lists money, this team will help the listing company in terms of connecting them with supply chain. If it's a launch company that buys rockets, we'll connect them, uh, connecting them to government agencies, helping them with all kinds of business strategy manager. And most importantly, hooking them up with VC capital or institutional capital when they're ready for it. Okay. Sounds very valuable. Um, yeah. Or to seeing that as it, as it develops. So we have a question here that you put in, in our notes on the other screen here. And this is something I had never really thought of. Uh, you pointed out uh, doing business with space is risky. Are there any financial risk mitigation tools available to companies? So that's, that's a shocker question to me. I really hadn't thought <laughs> about it. So let's hear the answer. Well, there, there is, um, and there, you know, some of the companies are using them right now. I mean, there is, uh, and we, I don't know if anybody used them on Wednesday last week, but there is weather derivatives. Um, you can buy, and I was a part of a team that helped Credit Suisse develop some of these methodologies and, and tools. You can buy, you know, you can financially uh, hedge yourself against, you know, some event causing you some business disruption. Now, that's a financial risk mitigation tool. It, may, it doesn't help you with your reputation or other things. Um, but there's a lot of things happening with weather derivatives, with fuel derivatives, hedging your, your price on, on, on your fuel, which is a big cost factor of launch. Um, and then there's um, Swiss Re, Munich Re, uh, AXA. They're all developing products in space for yeah. disruption of, um, of service of satellites. Uh, so there is, a, it, again, this is part of the capital formation, these risk tools. Um, and I think anybody developing a space company should be somewhat um, educated on the mm -hmm. Good and fine. Important that most most times these are financial hedging. They, it, you know, if you have a disaster on a launch pad, that's not going to help you with your reputation, but it will with your cash flow. Right, right. Well, and I've had um, oh, Bob Weirdy from Marsh on as a satellite insurance expert, but it sounds like there's some new products there. I recognize some of those names that you were reading out as uh, from our private uh, discussions. And yeah, <laughs> it sounds like I need to check those out a little bit more because I hadn't heard of them. So that's that's very interesting. Okay, uh, you are a mentor at something called Space Stream. It's part of Creative Destruction Labs, which is a name that I recognized from my interview with Michael Lyon. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, well, um, so I joined Chris Hadfield and I connected uh, a year ago, and he's been wonderful at this transition from fintech. Um, to space. Uh, he gave me a lot of great ideas. Um, and I spoke to the people at CDL and they invited me to join to kind of bring some of this uh, um, uh, expertise around raising capital and, and getting ready to raise capital and making sure that you have a capital plan and not just jump from one round to the next when you think you need it. You really need a really solid plan. Now, does the plan always go according to plan? Uh, usually not, but at least you have a baseline and, and you can plan around that. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, the last cohort, I was an observer. I'm starting as a full mentor, the next cohort. Um, I find it to be an extremely well-run organization. There was 13 companies in the last cohort, um, just fabulous ideas, um, fabulous. Uh, I think a lot, 
all of them um, has attested that the value that the CDL brought was immense. We have some incredible companies. Um, and, uh, you know, one, one common theme is capital. A lot of them need capital. And it really is, uh, these, I think these, if you think about what um, most investors look at, and I, I put it in this order, team, you know, what, you know, how good is the team? How, how big and how lucrative is the market the team is playing in? And then lastly, how good is the product fit for that market? Uh, all 13 companies were kind of just spot on. Um, but even knowing that, they're so far from traditional venture capital hurdles that they're not going to get money from venture capital. Um, so there's just a massive gap. And I think it's similar with companies coming out of Techstars and other accelerators that, and that just kind of um, solidified my, my, my feelings that, you know, there needs to be some help in this industry at the early stage right. for capital. Yeah, yep. that definitely sounds like it. Um, well, what are you looking for then at, at putting your 9.8 capital hat back on? <laughs> what are you looking for in space companies as an investor? Well, you know, I, I got into it looking around at, you know, I'm an engineer. Um, so uh, I'm a, a guy that uh, wanted to be an astronaut, but fell into engineering because of my math background. Um, but I get excited about a lot of the pure engineering plays, the rocket companies, the engine companies, the material companies. But when I step back, I mean, how much value can I add to those, you know, as an, as a, as a employer or an operator, not, not that much. I, I could probably jump in. Um, but what I really can add is the finance expertise and help them, find the right capital. Um, so the first things I've, 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 I've been helping a, a lot of companies find capital, uh, get ready to find, you know, get their business ready to do that. But on, on that road, I ran into space ventures, which I said, Hey, this is, this is a, not what I was looking for. I was really surprised. I thought, you know, I would help individual companies in terms of, of their finances. But now I found a company that if we get it right, which I think I, we will, we'll help all kinds of companies. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's been it's been a um, interesting and surprising journey so far. But, uh, yes, 9.8 is really to advise companies on being able to, you know, raise their capital and understand what they need, what value they need to do to create in the company to continue to do that. Okay. At, at what point should a founder or a group of founders be at? Uh, what should they have ready to tell you about before they approach you? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to talk to anybody at any stage. I, you know, I'd like to see the, t the team, um, uh, together, uh, meaning, um, you know, because you know, that's one of the biggest things I'm impressed by is using the team in the market. Um, we invested, um, I, I, quite a while ago, we invested in a company. Uh, we love the, the management team, just amazing. Like just very self-aware of their pros and cons their weaknesses their blind spots. And they really played what, you know, there's a lot of challenging, but it was a really, really good, strong team. And we loved the market. We thought the market was really ripe for uh, commercializing a great co company, but the team actually, for some reason, got the product wrong. Um, and they missed it and spent some money and, and, and kind of burned through some money, but we stuck with them because the team was so strong and the market was so, and they got it right. Finally, they got it right. So typically what I like to do is start with a, you know, a, an entity that has a good team formed um, and, you know, start from there. Yeah. 
that sounds that sounds really important. Is there anything that we haven't covered today that you would like us to cover? Um, I, I think we talked about liquidity, which I think is really important. A lot of people talk about it, but they talk about it that it's a unique problem in space, mm -hmm. the industry. And I just stress that it's really it's not. Um, I think we're compounded by the by the capital nature of the industry, um, and you know VC really. Uh, uh, a lot of the VC has grown and became mature around more software oriented industries, which aren't as capital intensive. So they're more in tune to that. Uh, but I really don't think um, it's a unique situation. It's just where we're at in the industry. Um, and I think uh, as we build more infrastructure and companies get uh, more connected, the, um, the, their ability to commercialize their business model is going to be faster and faster. Right on. Well, I look forward to that uh, becoming the case. Hopefully it won't take the whole 10 years till 2030, but uh, well, nine and a half, we're, we're half yeah. through this one. <laughs> but uh, well, this has been great. I've enjoyed having you on. Where could people go to connect with you and learn more? Yeah, I think just go to 9.8capital.net uh, and um, yeah, I can get back to you. There's some emails there. Great. I will link to this below as well as a couple other things, the Space Ventures and uh, Space Stream, uh, whatever we can link to from there. Appreciate having you on. My guest has been Brant Arsenault. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jason. This is Jason Canningham from Cold Star Tech. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you do want to get email notifications of upcoming episodes or episodes that have just been released and maybe a little news sprinkled in here and there, you can sign up for email notifications at coldstartech.com slash MSB. That's short for Make Space Boring. That's another little show that I do. It's uh, once, twice, three times a week, something like that. Anytime there's news or uh, an update on who I'm meeting and, and what I'm uh, studying in the space field. So you can go check that out. On the YouTube channel, I can do something that I cannot do on uh, Anchor for the audio only uh, side of things. The YouTube channel allows me to have playlists. And so you might want to go to the channel, the Cold Star Tech channel, and check out those playlists because you will find, you can go down a rabbit hole basically into several areas like space law and policy, uh, small sats. And I think that's a lot easier than trying to scroll through 130 episodes or something like that, <laughs> looking for the thing that you want. So I recommend going and checking that out. And remember, if you're ready to take your space business to the next level or you're a VC looking for a deep and a very valuable insight into a space company you're looking at investing in or investing further in, come and talk to us. Thanks for listening.